irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. The fire forecast in Australia remains high. The dairy cartel is alive and well. Hello, I'm William Mayoff. And I am Nancy. We also have our producer, Dale Chadwick, here in the room with us. Without him, this show would not be possible. That is true. So, welcome to Animal News Magazine, a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science, to animals in entertainment, to animals in religion, and to animals in agriculture. Animals play an important role in our daily lives as individuals and as a society, and this show is about increasing our knowledge and our understanding of the animal world. And from that, from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. Our guest today is Kevin... Bach Huber. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. He is the founder of the first American insect farm to obtain food grade certifications. Uh, this is a controversial topic. We got, I got a lot of feedback uh, on social media. Uh, many were upset that we would actually entertain such a topic, but um, it is about insects, and we need to learn more to be able to uh, make our own decisions. After all, this is a democratic country. Least, you know, it's the least harm alternative here. Less of a footprint if you got to be a well, carnivore. Let's, let's listen from him first. Right. I mean, I have my own prejudices, right. but let's listen from him first. We have okay. to know. Let this is about information. It's not about bias or propaganda. So let's hear from him. Uh, he's uh, been featured in Gateway Bug documentary. He's appeared in Bugs on the Menu documentary. Um, he won um, a Popular Science Award for um, for his work with Cricket Farms. So. He's very knowledgeable in the area. He's just not a guy off the street who's going to talk to us about edible insects. But before we start, um, two guys were walking, were, were outside, they were walking their dogs, and it was a really hot day. And they passed by a pub, and the first guy says, hey, let's go in there for a pint of beer. And the second guy says, hey, they won't let us in with our dogs. You know, we can't go into the pub and have our beer. We have dogs. So the first guy says... Yeah, they'll let us in. Just follow my lead. So the first guy goes up to the pub, and uh, the doorman says, Hey, I can't let you in here with that dog. So the guy replies, Well, I'm blind, and this is my seeing eye dog. So the doorman says, Okay, then come on in. So the second guy sees that this works, and he does the same thing. He goes to the doorman, and the doorman says, Well, you can't come in here with a dog. So the second guy replies, I'm blind, and this is my seeing-eye dog. So the doorman responds, do you have a chihuahua for a seeing-eye dog? The second guy stops for a second and exclaims, they gave me a chihuahua? (laughs) Very good, Nancy. Don't don't leave your day job. This is uh, from Tommy Bercetti or Versetti. From Billings, Montana. Are you going to send him a T-shirt, Nancy? One of your T-shirts? Sure, we still have some in stock. I'll send him a T-shirt. All right. Let's get serious now. On with the news, the very sad news that's dominating the airwaves. Uh, Very bad. 24 Australians in the state of New South Wales have been arrested since early November for intentionally setting fires as bushland forests and national parks continue to burn across the country. 
In November, the New South Wales Rural Fire Service arrested a 19-year-old male on suspicion of arson, charging him with seven counts of deliberately setting fires over a six-week period. According to the New South Wales Bureau of Crime and Statistics and Research, 29 blazes were deliberately lit in the Shalhaven region of southeast New South Wales between July and September last year. It's horrible. New South Wales in the southeastern part of the country appears to be the hardest hit by the fires this season. The state includes the capital of Sydney. It is the country's most populous state. Starting a bushfire intentionally and being reckless in causing its spread can result in up to 21 years in prison. Not, not enough. They should get 100 years in prison. Should, should be capital punishment. 100 years in hell, actually. That wouldn't be enough. And the koalas are just the beginning. It's outrageous. At least 25 people have been killed and over 2,000 homes have been destroyed by the bushfires. Nearly 20 million acres have burned across Australia and authorities say the fires could keep burning for months. Going up to 40 Celsius and beyond. Ecologist Professor Christopher Dickman from the University of Sydney estimated that over 1 billion animals had been wiped out since Australia's devastating wildfires, with 800 million animals dead in New South Wales alone. We've all, we've all seen those horrible pictures of the koalas I know, burning alive. I can't look at those pictures. And, I can't. And, I can't and the bicyclist, you know, giving just, his little water bottles. It just pains it's, me. It's, it's, it's heart-wrenching. It's terrible. This loss includes thousands of koalas, as we've mentioned, on a mid-north coast of uh, New South Wales, along the other species uh, that are included in these groups that are becoming endangered. are kangaroos, of course, that we all know and love, wallabies, gliders, paturus, cockatoos, and honey eaters. Nancy, what's a paturu? I have no idea. Well, we'll get people to call in and let us share and know, and we've got to get that information. Koalas, which were already under threat due to the significant habitat loss, have been hit particularly hard. In South Australia, Kangaroo Island may have lost up to half of its koala population. This is just horrible news. Dickman stressed that not every animal included in his estimate will be killed directly by fires. Many of the affected animals are likely to have been killed directly by fires, with others succumbing later due to the depletion of food and shelter and pre, uh, uh, predation uh, from feral cats and uh, red fox. According to the World Wildlife Fund Australia, a wildlife conservation organization, many of the country's forests will take decades to recover and several species may have tipped over the brink of extinction. Australia, Australia has the world's highest rate of extinction for mammals, Professor Dickman points out some 34 species and subspecies of native mammals have become extinct in Australia over the last 200 years, the highest rate of loss for any region in the world. And now this is happening before our eyes. The Insurance Council of Australia said Tuesday, local time, the estimated damage bill with insurance claims has reached approximately $500 million U.S. And rising as we speak. I think that's a... A conservative estimate. And, and a direct application, of course, Ellen DeGeneres has a GoFundMe page, right, Nancy? Actually, we can talk about the, that later fire, now. No, actually, she does have a GoFundMe page, but the fires have received a lot of worldwide attention, as you know. Politicians, celebrities, they're all stepping Golden up to Globes, the cause. Golden Globes, Russell Crowe could not attend the Golden Globes. Yeah, Nicole but, um, Kidman has just sent Nicole and her contribution. Husband, some uh, other each celebs. donated 500000 There's a... Chris Hemsworth, he's an Australian actor. He was in Thor. I don't know him, but he contributed a million, one million 
dollars U.S. Um, Ellen DeGeneres personally, I think she contributed $700,000 U.S. There's a billionaire businessman. Um, I'm, his name is, I, can't, I don't remember his name. He, Nancy, um, bef- bef- he's bef- a Hollywood producer, $3.4 million. Before you continue, Ellen DeGeneres has a special place uh, in her heart uh, for Australia. She actually took her show down there live uh, months ago, the past year or something. Oh, really? Yeah, so she's got a personal connection to oh, it. Oh, she's, that, she's that, very, uh, she, she puts her money where her mouth yeah. is. Good you know, stuff. Elton John, he contributed $1 million U.S. Uh, Kylie Jenner, I think she's one of the Kardashians who got famous with makeup. Um, I don't follow the Kardashians, thank goodness. Uh, but... Um, whatever you want to say about the Kardashians, she did donate it's a Very charitable dollars. and kudos right. to everybody and anybody. We don't Metallica, care. Metallica, over $500,000. Really? Absolutely. Australian cars? There Absolutely. should be a telethon, and we really have to encourage everybody, all of our listeners worldwide, if you please you know, find it in your heart, those cute little koalas, poster, poster, you know, Poster animal for for the cause in Australia, and of course Australia. But what about all the again? What about all the insects? I mean, the ecosystem is going to be severely, severely damaged by this. I don't know how they're going to recover. I have no, I don't know. You, you know, because it's everything's connected, right? You know, and, and of course we had months, a couple months ago, we had the Amazon forest in Brazil yeah. and South America, and yeah. now this devastation. It, 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 you know, we've, we've got to. Try to do something to yeah. help the cause. So anyway, Ellen DeGeneres, the GoFundMe, um, definitely. That, so folks, uh, go. Nancy, that. you have specific. Uh, I think Google the Ellen DeGeneres GoFundMe page. Yeah. Uh, you know, make sure they're legitimate ca- causes. Uh, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, that one is legitimate. Absolutely. And and uh, and and give give you know use a credit card whatever. I mean, everybody it is. can afford a dollar. You know, five dollars, yeah. two dollars. Australia has been there for Canada, been there for the USA, been there. They're, they're, they're partners worldwide, part of the Commonwealth and all that. Uh, you know, and who wants the cutest little animals? We don't want to see them harmed or any animals. And people who listen to the show yeah. care about animals. That's right. why they listen to the show or care about their health. It's just we're all connected again. So go make that donation. It's not only for for the, for the Australia's benefit. It's also for uh, your benefit. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, the environment is everybody's business. Next item, Nancy. Next item. You know, Let's that, go. That's a very sad, depressing act to follow. I feel like it's two <laughs> minutes of silence here. Well, the next you know. story isn't that much up. <laughs> I'm, I'm still getting over your blind, the blind inspiring. man the blind man who didn't realize he had a, a chihuahua. <laughs> Maybe he's got sentient problems in his fingers or something no, but it's a arms. good, You know, it's a good comeback, you no, know. Very good. <laughs> Yeah, we've told our audience that for weeks on end after your your stab at humor, I tend to go ahead and break the ice yeah. with people, strangers. I walk up this to them and tell them your jokes. Yeah, you know, at some point you've got to author a joke book and yeah, uh, do that. Yeah, that's right. But well, for now, we'll just get a T-shirt. Next next item here uh, of news and information for the folks out there: Borden Dairy Company uh, has recently become the second large largest producer in recent months to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. One of the reasons, according to industry experts, is that more Americans are drinking dairy alternatives, made with soy, rice, or nuts. Yeah, but, you know, that's Delcy the cow, isn't it? That's Delcy the cow, the cute little cow. That's right. That we all grew up with. Yeah, you, even, because you, you didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. Well, they could still put that cute little cow on, on, on other, uh, you know, rice, milk, and all that stuff. Yeah. And say it's with Delcy's... 
You know, I got a friend, Ron, in Toronto, and even he drank in those Delcy, Delcy uh, Because you and he didn't know better. I didn't even know better when I was know better. You know, now we know better. But I hope, you know, chapter 11 is uh, simply reorganizing. So let's hope it's right. not a 7, it's 11. We could use some of our legal expertise there and hope that they want to just reorganize, right? Well, it's a form of bankruptcy that involves re you reorganize your debts um, and your assets. So let's hope we don't have the, you know, they, 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 they'll do the catch who it's cut twice. Maybe she'll be back stronger than ever, Delcy. Is it Delcy uh, or Elsie the cow? What it's is Elsie. It? It's Elsie the cow. Elsie the cow. Dale, what is it? Elsie or Delcy? It's Elsie, of course. Yeah, uh, I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to survive. Uh, but anyway, go on. We're going to try. But you know, look. Why it, are you rooting for it, for Elsie? Elsie the cow is well, a, is a because, is an abused cow. No, no, but we forced listen, to make no. baby calves and living in darkness all day. Right, but we we are a hopeful, optimistic bunch, uh, right? Uh, as broadcasters of this show. And you hope to correct corporate wrongdoing if they're abusing animals. Yes. Then they correct them and approve. Board, you have to be forgiving, right, Nancy? I, of course. Okay. You, so yeah. if they could, if they could join the Leaping Bunny program and say we don't test on animals and furs, you know, and be a great uh, citizen, a great uh, corporate citizen, then we're all into improving and not destroying businesses. Absolutely. We don't have a secret radical, commie pinko agenda. Uh, uh, I don't. Of course not. I may have a secret radical agenda, but not a commie yeah. one. <laughs> All right, so we're not we're, we're here to correct and, and to improve and help and hold hands and sing yes, kumbaya. Yes, yes, kumbaya. So, uh, Borden employs thirty three hundred people, operates thirteen milk processing plants in nearly one hundred branches across the U.S., producing nearly five hundred million gallons of milk annually. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of uh, artificial. Uh, impregnating those cows and getting the milk right. out of there. That's right, yes. We had that one guest, and she yeah. gave us her opinions on the milk. But anyway, America's consumption of cow milk has lagged in recent years amid a surge in popularity of nut-based milks, and as retailers such as Walmart offer their low-cost house brands to shoppers, that impacts our conventional milk producers. Small dairy farms are going under while more of America's cow's milk comes from bigger dairy factories. Joe Kelsey's family has been dairy farming for more than a century, but the milk business is struggling. Last year, Kelsey Farms lost its biggest customer, dairy processor Dean Foods, which had bought and distributed their milk for 25 years. Dean would pasteurize the milk and then sell the finished packaged product to retailers like Walmart. But Walmart decided to cut the middleman and build its own milk processing plant to serve its stores in the Midwest. I'm not surprised. Right. A lot of these... Uh, American corporations actually buy the farm, literally. Well, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, McDonald's, too, in, buys in a, their farm. In a direct way, that's what they did. In November, Kelsey and his brother Russ sold their 370 cows to another farm. Dean Foods reportedly sent notices to more than 100 farmers in eight states that it would cease buying their milk. In a disclosure to investors, Dean Foods said Walmart alone accounted more than 70% of its business, and that now that Walmart has its own plant, it will buy 125 million fewer gallons of milk annually from Dean Foods. Dean Foods declared bankruptcy in November. Dean's losses escalated after Walmart started producing its own milk. Walmart's new milk processing plant, a 250,000-square-foot facility in Fort Wayne, Indiana, is the most recent example of 
of a decades-long trend of consolidation and concentration of corporate power. Big, efficient companies can keep prices low for consumers, causing smaller dairy producers to go out of business. This is one thing we can't blame on China, right, Nancy? Not this thing. Not no. this thing. There were more than 80,000 dairy farms in 2003. In 2018, there were just 40,000. Walmart's new milk processing facility in Indiana is one of the largest in the U.S., producing white and chocolate milk for over 600 Walmart and Sam's Club stores across the country. Nancy, does chocolate milk come from chocolate cows? Absolutely, Thank absolutely. You. Thank you. It's a special breed of cow that makes chocolate milk chocolate. right there from the udder. Yeah. I know. It sources raw milk from 31 farms that are all within 210 miles of the plant, meaning the companies meaning the company is saving on freight. Now, you said that there were more than in uh, 2003 the, the the there were there were more than 80,000 dairy farms in 2003 and, and in 2018 there were just 40,000. Right, half. It's not but they're bigger. Oh, okay. They're bigger. That's that's the thing. You know, they're just um in the U.S. So, so they're bigger and they're predominantly owned by big corporations by big like corporations, Walmart and not smaller, little farmers. The small dairy farmer is being bought out. Right. Usually they're, they're bought, they sell their cows as opposed to do, doing a Chapter 11 or there's a special chapter for farmers to go bankrupt. I don't remember what the number is. Uh, special Chapter 13, I don't know what it is. Uh, but in the United States, the overall demand for dairy uh, products has actually increased by less than 9%, but it has increased. So the nut milks do play a little bit of a role, but not much. It's really corporate America it's that's just, becoming mm. more and more concentrated. So, so it's not really the nut, the plant-based milk that's really making a dent. It's the corporation, like, i.e. Walmart, buying massive amounts and putting this, the, 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 the agricultural, right. the milk dairy producing business. Yeah. And, and relegating the conventional farmers as we know them to. Yeah, they have these financial hardships. And according to data from the American Farm Bureau Federation, uh, five eight, oh, that's what it is, 580 farms filed a Chapter 12 bankruptcy um, in the year ending in September 2019. Uh, the largest number was filed in Wisconsin, was 45. Nancy, are these little farmers being bought out by, by Walmart and the and the And, and the, the others. Most of them are being bought out. Many, Reasonable sums being offered for their oh, farms, or are they low-balling them? I think they're just low-balling low What do you think? Do you think they're being generous? Okay. They, they have to answer to their shareholders and to their board of directors, these people, the lower minions. No. When they go and make an offer, it's the lowest ball offer that uh, they can possibly make. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio with Nancy DeFabio and William Mayoff on Animal News Magazine is the name of the show. Nancy, what could our listeners look forward to? What tell, foretell about the guest coming up here, briefly? Say his name again. Yeah, Kevin, I'm really having a hard time pronouncing his name. Forgive, a, forgive us if you're listening. But it's Kevin, Kevin Bachuber. Yes, and he's a, he's a consultant, and we're going to talk to him about insects, pioneering. Uh, he's a pioneer um, of, of that. Of and whether he, flosses after, whether he flosses after he eats insects. Well, we can ask him okay. that. Uh, he uh, well, he'll, he's pushing towards sustainable methods of insect farming. Gotcha. So he thinks it's um, eco-friendly. You know, there's less of a carbon footprint on and on. But he'll talk to us about all that. In the meantime, I just want to say to, to add to what I was talking to you before about the well, to all these people who are listening to us also about these farmers. Um, and you say, well, do they go bankrupt? There was a 24 percent increase in bankruptcy. Um, 
2019 over 2018. So it's actually a movement. Um, and th these bankruptcies, about one-fifth of the operations that were the factory operations that filed for bankruptcy were primarily uh, farms that were raising cows. So there is a certain level of bankruptcy that's rising, but they're also selling them. Um, uh, they mostly simply sell their land, their animals, their equipment. They just stop producing. Any news on AGAG laws, Nancy? Anything happened since last week? I don't know. Nothing's happened since last week. Nobody's, uh -huh. uh, no. I mean, it's just going to continue to spread. It, uh, you know, it's going to announce in Toronto, and uh, it's just going to continue to spread in the western provinces in Canada. Here in the U.S., uh, it violates the First Amendment on many levels, so they keep getting struck down. And for those of you who are not familiar with the reference AGAG laws, these are laws that either in Canada, the provincial legislatures, or down here in the States, although they get much less success here in the States because of the strong First Amendment they try to uh, reduce the ability of whistleblowers to go into uh, processing plants, meat processing plants, uh, to film undercover abuses, taking chickens, throwing them against the wall, you know, cutting their heads off, puppeteering, uh, as our great guest said last week. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, and, and if the corporations have nothing to hide, this is not a radical leftist approach or anything. They have nothing to hide if they're good corporate citizens and they kill their animals humanely, um, then then uh, they should have no resistance and uh, an open-door policy. We're still basking in, 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 the, in the, uh, the, uh, the stature of our guest from last week. Right. Okay. Ingrid Newkirk, she's the founder uh, and the head lady there, CEO on all those she's titles. She's the president of PETA. Of PETA. People of PETA. People treatment of animals. She was here last week. Uh, we got what, good what uh, a feedback. Night. We got tons of feedback. Emails at the who knows who nowhere. And people and, were really, she, she and, they were and pleased hits. with the advice that she gave. You know, she, power of the purse, power of the purse. That should be your mantra, everybody. Power of the purse. Right. Every time you go out and you buy a product, think, what am I, what am I paying for? Whom am I enriching? Right. And, and, and again, these corporations have the ability to go ahead and just reform, do things less humanely, not have to torture and test on animals, uh, and, and everybody can enjoy. Again, as we discussed last, last time, Nancy, they have the Beyond Meat, and they have the Impossible Burgers, and the, the, the Light Life, whatever, whatever. You know, we went to, to the conference there in Halifax, Nancy, and the Loblaws there had not one, not two, but three, three veggie burger alternatives there. So, um... You know, there's so many alternatives, and if you're going to eat the meat, you know, why don't you try maybe a, a kosher product and all that, where, where they're supposed to cut that carotid uh, artery, and, and uh, we may have uh, a future authority to help us out, and we may have uh, some contributors to let us know to cue us in on that. Just, just for, for the, there's no particular agenda uh, for this show or program other than to think twice in the corporations. Look at the whole long list. When she was here, Ingrid, last week, she yeah. was naming all, all those names, like Chanel, everyone who's just conformed, and they haven't found the, the need to, to test and to make beautiful products and, and, uh, and so forth. So we could all uh, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Right, Nancy? Right. So um, last week, we, uh, we got started. We wanted to talk a little bit about cats and why they do what they do, but we didn't get the opportunity. Uh, I think talking to Ingrid is far more... 
uh, important and uh, beneficial. What a nice and, lady in a new book and all that. She's beautiful. Yeah. So, And we're going to be uh, giving out a few of her books. We're going to start a, a contest so that I already got the book. So we're, we're going to be giving out the book because it's very, it's very helpful. And uh, I think it, everybody should buy that book, not if you're an animal rights welfare person, animal rights activist. I think it's to learn. The, I think half the book or a good part of the book is just about you know, the science of animals, their behavior, what they eat, what, you know, oh. just, the, just the nature of animals. There's nothing uh, subjective about it. And, and, you know, the public, our listening audience should know that if, you, you know, we tend to, especially now that winter is kind of brutal in the northern climates around the globe, you know, Montreal, Toronto. So people even more go ahead and, and uh, you know, click on Amazon and do that kind of stuff. So they don't have to go outside and freeze their rear ends off. So if you go to smile.amazon.com, smile.amazon.com, you can go ahead and make your purchase, do what you want if you want to order off the, uh, the Internet, but you can go ahead and, and uh, they'll give a portion of your purchase money to the charity of your choice. It doesn't have to be PETA, although it's a great idea, but if you got an SPCA in Toronto there, then you go ahead and give it an SPCA in Toronto or Montreal, Quebec. Give it to your local chapter, some good benevolent place that'll do do you well. So you can bring the Lion King, King home to your kids and kiss your kids goodnight and bring the love and respect to, to your animals at home. You wouldn't kill Fluffy and put them on a plate. So but, we'll, but but do that, right, NancySmile.com? Absolutely. And so you we'll, give it to the charity of choice. You're in Miami, go for it. Okay, so why right? does a cat wiggle his behind before pouncing? Have you ever seen that? I probably for the the air temperature, the air, the the density of the air, so that when they lunge, they can lunge and not uh, crash. Actually, when when a cat wants to pounce on something, they wiggle their hind ends back and forth to actually check their balance. Wow. It helps them determine if they have solid ground under their hind legs to pounce, and helps them determine if they will make the jump distance safely. That's it's fascinating. Yeah, Where it's a you? calculation. They have, it's calculated. It's mathematical. I thought there were a million reasons why a cat would wiggle its rear end before pouncing. I mean, I, you've been, have you been thinking about that? I, I, when you pet them, they wiggle their rear end. So that, there's a purpose to that. Very good. Uh, why do they need? You, you know cats need. They go, and they need with their paws. Why do they do that? Don't know. It, it, Dale, do you know? It, you know I think it might be a form of stress relief. Um, is it, this is also maybe that when they land, they'll have a surface to land on, perhaps? It's all about flight, even though they're not birds? Actually, the experts say that it's a leftover. Um, nobody really knows why, but they, um, the most uh, often repeated explanation is that kneading is the leftover behavior from kittenhood. During nursing, a kitten will knead the area around its mother's teeth, the mama's teeth, to promote the flow of milk. Um and in adulthood, they say that uh, another another explanation is that a cat will need when it's feeling happy or content because it associates the motion with the comforts of nursing and its mother. So if your cat is needing, it's a good sign. Wow. And I yeah, I, I get it because my cats do that. So what about laying in the sink or bathtub? You've had that problem, Dale, right? With the, do you yeah, have any it's cats? It's been a problem. Right, um, they say that on hot days, uh, your cat might be seeking a cool place, but it could also be something in the water. There could be an earthy smell that comes from the drain pipes that attracts the cat. Interesting. Yeah. So. 
Do so you have any cats? Your there? favorite, uh, William, raising their haunches. You know when you're doing backside rubbing and they raise their little rear? That's a reflex reaction, much like a dog's like pumping when his belly is scratched. It, uh, it's, it's just uh, a reflex reaction. It's nothing more than that. There's nothing to read into that. I feel complete now. You do, I'm sure. I feel complete. It's a reflex reaction. Yeah. All right. What about uh, what, ab- what about the cats uh, rubbing their whiskers on the, uh, the you know the laptop monitor or something on the side? Is it a territorial thing or is it that they just want to scratch their uh, their whiskers? I think well scent scent is very important to cats and um, they have special scent glands on their face uh, among other locations I, I believe so they mark people and items as their property ah. as an identifier so Interesting. yeah so. Yeah. Huh. Well, then your tablet's spoken for, right? Your tablet's <laughs> I think every part for. of my, yeah. my house is spoken yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. it's so, all spoken for. Yeah, my beautiful, two beautiful babies. So in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to um, Kevin, and um, we're going to be calling him at a number that he gave us. Uh, but before we uh, we also have a few questions that I'm going to give some answers to for about cats before we get on the phone with him in two minutes. Um, you mentioned the thing about computer. Why do they sit on the computer? They when the computer is on, it can feel like a nice warm heating pad for them. Uh, and plus, it's get your attention. It's hard to ignore a cat when they're sitting on your keyboard. Um, okay, I I, they, I buy some, that. Many in many occasions, they're just looking for attention. And uh, my Violetta did that this morning. I was preparing for the show, and she what decided about, she was going to sit on my papers, and that was that. That's attention. Yeah. Hey, what about the cat in that investing commercial there? Where they, the, the cat invested? Yeah. That, that yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that cat's what? not doing anything that we're talking about, but that's a good commercial. Investing. What, okay. what, uh, Invest tools or something. I don't know what it's it is. Bank, it's some bank, I think. Some yeah. bank. So um, another quick one. Um, why do they sleep in a tight ball? To retain heat and to keep themselves protected. Of course. Now, yeah. now, 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 for those of us who've seen the Joker, who walk in Phoenix, and Robert De Niro's in there, and he speaks that they have super rats there in Gotham, right? Yes. And the super rats, how are they going to deal with the super rats there, according to Robert De Niro? Oh, super cats. They're going to get super cats. Yeah, super hey, cats. That was a dud. That wasn't very funny in that movie yesterday. Yeah, well, Not that part, anyways. So we have these, uh, this gentleman here who uh, is our insect maven, is that correct? He is an insect maven, edible insect maven, and uh, he's uh, quite knowledgeable, and he's been doing this for a few years. And what are we going to find out about insects, Nancy? What's his specialty? I don't know. I know crickets are popular, so he might be uh, focused more on crickets uh, as a food, even though I will never in my life eat crickets or anything they were eating insect them. related well sometimes when they're chocolate covered you know camouflage is the well uh, maybe they have you can ask them maybe yeah. they do have well uh, they do they do they do I it's think becoming they, actually i i've cricket, uh, uh, not, it's not is it not is it crickets yeah it's crickets actually he, we're dialing him right now you should have a sound effect for dialing him up i know and maybe to keep the listeners, listeners hear in that the listeners hear the sound effect i don't know i don't think there's a dialing thing from you've reached kevin back Okay, I think we got his... Dale? Do they have, Nancy, do they have restaurants, contemporary restaurants with insects on the menu? Do do, do they, do they have uh, 
I yes, want, they do, do have they restaurants have? insects on the menu. With insects on the menu? They do. They do have they have some them in Toronto? restaurants. I don't do you know. Have them in, maybe we can get San Francisco, some of our listeners one. in Toronto uh, to call up. Yeah, Nancy, you want to give our phone numbers on our webpage? Yeah, actually, the call-in number, uh, I don't know if uh, Kevin is trying to call us, even though I thought we were calling him, but the call-in number is 323-203-0815. 323-203-0815. Tell us about the webpage. Uh, Can they contact you? Do we have a webpage? Yeah, I'm Nancy at animallawlawyer.com, and we're going to actually have a new website soon. Actually, we have a podcast. This is an opportunity Go to ahead. let people know. While Dale irons out all technicalities. Yes, he does. And technical difficulties. Actually, Go ahead. Oh, hello. This is Nancy from Animal News Magazine. Hi there, this is Kevin Bakuber. Oh, Kevin, um, thank you for We calling. were uh, scheduled to have a con- uh, call today. Yes. yes, and I like the way you pronounce your last name. I couldn't have said it better. Welcome, this is William May off to Animal News Magazine on LA Talk Radio. How are you, Kevin? I'm good, how are you? Very well, thank you so much. Thank you for reaching out to us here on a Sunday afternoon. For Nancy, taking the time for to taking talk the time. to us. Please. So this is a very, yeah. very interesting, eccentric, and maybe even controversial subject. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the insect business. Sure. So um, kind of my genesis in this field was in um, 2006 or 2007. I went to uh, Thailand wow. um, just as like a vacation and ate bugs there and was like, this is great. We should do it in America. Um, and then when I came back to the U.S., I was like, hey, we should do this. And everybody was like, ha, 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 we have a functioning economy. We're not going to eat bugs. Right. <laughs> That's uh, cute. Great recession economy. happened. We all came out the other side. Uh, then in 2013, the U.N. Re- uh, released this 206-page report saying, hey, 2 billion people worldwide eat bugs, and you should too. Um, so we ended up starting what became the U.S.'s first, uh, FDA inspected human food grade insect farm in Ohio in 2014, ran that for about two years. Then the same thing that happened to Flint, Michigan happened to us there. Hmm. Uh, we all got lead poisoning, all our crickets died. So we moved out about a year later, I started a consultancy for insect agriculture and that's what I've been doing since. So, so hi- the, the headline, what here, here, you know, I I don't know we uh, we don't have any agenda here or anything, but but it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of you know people they recoil and they say ah can eat bugs and if anything let's get the insecticide and kill the bugs. So there's a tendency to want to overcome that, but your headline here is we get lead poisoning and it's kind of you, you know <laughs> the leg gets stuck in between your teeth and floss and all that. So could you give us a little brief thing about how to lead poisoning? Let's get rid of that little scary adventure, and then we can go into... There are other insects that have nothing to do with lead in the same sentence. Could you share that with us, please? I'm sorry, what was the question? Yes, can you share... I, I mean, you said lead and you, insects in the same sentence, so can you share with us the, your lead story and then tell us if there are insects that have caused oh, yeah. lead free? It was pretty uneventful. I mean, the same thing that happened to... Um, so in Youngstown, Ohio, the mayor stole eleven and a quarter million dollars from the Water Infrastructure Repair Fund oh. and gave it to mob-affiliated uh, um, land development companies. Wow! He got indicted for corruption like two weeks after we got there, which what? should have been a sign. Did you say Youngstown, uh, Ohio? Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, thank you yeah. very much. So, so gotcha. So they've got a famous history for that kind of thing. Right. So, um, so all insects are not so, lead, lead poison. Gotcha. No, no, no. It was it was very specific to this region. Thank you. Um, yeah, they didn't uh, fix the the pipes basically. Wow. And uh, then they uh, tampered with water records for a while so that nobody knew. Which were the uh, insects? Which were the insects that, due to human misfeasance and all that, we admit that we hear you, the corrupt mayor and all that. But which were the insects yeah. that they had the lead poisoning? Uh, we it was the humans that got the lead poisoning. The bugs died from um, something called trihalomethane, which is like a it's used to kill bugs and algae in water gotcha. treatment plants. What insects are we talking so the, about that got that? Crickets. Thank crickets. you. Okay, so that's an aberration. That's an exception. Tell us yeah. about the tendency and all the good stuff about insects, why we shouldn't worry about them fluttering around in our mouths, in our stomachs, why they're full of protein and fiber, and why they don't leave as much a footprint as killing and slaughtering a cow and those things. Well, let's start first with what, what, what kind of insect agriculture do you consult on? Yeah, so my primary focus is human food and animal feed. Gotcha. Um, I do, I encourage, um, my, my clients to, you know, sell the bugs, whoever pays the most money. So a lot of them end up in like pet stores and fish bait shops too. Okay. Um, cause you know, they're, when they're, when they're alive at the pet store, you kind of get the best dollar for them. Um, but our real focus is on the food and feed side of things. So, um, so, you, 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 so, so it's basically crickets. Basically. Uh, crickets are my specialty, yep. And then mealworms and black soldier fly are the other two commonly raised species in the U.S. Okay, who? what parts of the world actually eat that stuff? Let's start with crickets. Uh, Do they, I mean, yeah. Thailand? Um, Does Thailand? There's an I mean, yeah, so Southeast Asia, um, Central Africa, and uh, Latin America are going to be your biggest um, orthopterans, uh, eaters of orthopterans. So that's crickets, locusts, and grasshoppers. Um, there's a fair amount in the Middle East too, but that's very situational. Uh, whereas there's kind of like long semi-cultivation process, um, uh, practices in like Mexico. Uh, and then Thailand has about 20,000 cricket farms. They're considered a normal part of the diet by and, and large. And, uh, how do they, um, I, so how do they, how, isn't there an issue? Isn't there a problem? Cause crickets reproduce quite rapidly. That's my understanding. So mm -hmm. if how do they control the population? Isn't there a problem? Isn't there a risk that there could be an overpopulation of crickets and they go off into the bushes and, you know? Well, I mean, we grow them in, we grow them in boxes and we do our best to keep them inside the boxes. Um, the, the crickets in question are generally, I mean, they're endemic. They're um, spread globally across like a particular latitude band where they, where they can live most easily. Um, and then the cricket cultivars that we use have been domesticated for probably a couple thousand years. Wow. Um, so they fare quite poorly on their own. They're not really used to like having to like, you know, run away from birds and stuff. Okay. So, uh, so that helps keep kill? the escapee population down. How do we bring killed? them to market? How do we bring them to market? First, I want to know how they're killed. Okay. I mean, how are they killed? Uh, yeah, so um, insects are cold-blooded. So as you drop the temperature, they kind of go into uh, a hibernation-like state called diapause. So we chill them, and then we give them a deep freeze so that they don't wake back up. Um, there are a bunch of studies that were done where you can you can tell how stressed an animal is by like measuring its hormone levels. 
Um, and there were a bunch of different, there's a number of different ways you can like kill an insect, right? And that was the one that resulted in the lowest stress hormone levels. That's so so you you pain. mainly you mainly right, Kevin. You sound like you know so much yeah. about this stuff. You should be on our show. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what you accumulate over the years. You <laughs> what's what's the uh, what's the what kind of consumer do we do we have like because crickets have a lot of protein. May do we I, have like people who okay go ahead. May I, may I, well, Kevin, from what I'm deducing from you, t- you're at least trying to to put them in a dormancy stage, lower the temperature, and freeze them. And it, it sounds like you had some humanity attached to that. And you're measuring stress levels, and you're doing it in a way that am I reading into this, or, or with minimal stress on the? No, you got it. Wow. So yeah. No, I mean, anytime there's a that halo over your head right now. You have to like build some empathy with it, right? Gotcha, yeah. So that you can like, I will, I need to be able to whether I'm doing cows or chickens or right. or crickets, right. I need to kind of be able to look at my my herd or whatever, and kind of tell at a glance who's sick, who's not, that kind of thing. So it's a lot of the empathy that you develop for your crop, um, and that kind of inclines you to want to treat them humanely, you know. So, who is your customer for it's, it's uh, like bodybuilders? Your main consumers, bodybuilders. People in Asia. I mean, who, who's going to eat insects? I mean, how, how does who's going to eat insects in North America? Who's interested in this stuff? Crickets. Yeah, you'd be surprised. So, yeah, there's the easy-to-think-of segments like bodybuilders and, like, uh, granola hippies and that kind of thing. Um, There's also very large rural populations that, um, you know, interact with the food chain a lot more directly, and they have a lot fewer problems than, um, like, city folk with eating the bugs. So what are the health Um, benefits? I've always wanted to make, like, a doomsday prepper specialized kit that's called a bug-out box. Uh, wow. If anybody wants to do that, I have had this idea for like five years. You're welcome to it. So how? Um, so in Asia, I guess well, he's uh, had like this time... idea. Yeah. Okay. Without <laughs> uh, like, getting too political, too radical. I mean, we were almost at the brink of some kind of war there with Iran. Yeah. If you've listened yeah. to the news just a couple of days ago. Fortunately, that yeah. seems to have gone okay. So you have a contingency plan that you, you're going to run into the uh, to the bunker. I like to say that the nice thing about insect agriculture is that it's going to do well either in the utopian future or the dystopian Listen apocalypse. To this guy. He's, so like, he's you know, out. we're set either way. You see. So, um, how how do you is it is it increasing? If I guess what I want to know is it increasing. In, see, the animal wealth as far as an animal animal welfare person goes, I think if you have to pick, objectively speaking, between eating. Uh, a cow or a chicken or an insect, you're probably better off eating the insect for your protein because my understanding, I mean, I'm thinking we that should it ask him the health benefits. Le- well, benefits. It has less of a water and land footprint. Yeah, of course. Uh, than a yeah. Cow. It dies painlessly. And I know crickets have protein. So if what you're about an fiber? animal welfare fiber? person, that's the way to go. If you already eat mm-hmm. your meat, eat your whatever, that's probably a good choice for you. Uh, you're definitely uh, going in the right direction. Animal rights people are probably going to want to slay you. Why? But um, what about Why? the, I mean, the be- health benefits of... Uh, Tell us about how, how you get fiber. You get more fiber from a few crickets in your hand than a fiber bar, all the sugar fiber bars that we have. No, seriously, kidding aside, tell us any benefits of what motivation should we have to go ahead <laughs> to go ahead and get a handful of crickets or a handful of the insects as opposed to other sources? What do they provide yeah. for us? Go ahead. 
So I'm largely the wrong person to ask about that um, because uh, I like seeing, you know, like 20-year longitudinal studies before I really tout anything's health benefits. Okay. Uh, but I can talk kind of generally to it. Um, you're fair. The, yeah, That's so fair. like the dried cricket protein powders and stuff, you're going to come in around, depending on how it's processed, between 63 and 72% protein, which is really high for like protein concentrate. Wow or for non-concentrated protein powders. Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, fiber in there, particularly prebiotic. There's a woman named Valerie Stahl at UW-Madison who did kind of the early landmark study on uh, digestibility with people and found that like uh, ingesting human, or ingesting insect protein resulted in like a healthier human gut microbiome wow. along a couple of measures. Wow. Uh, they have all the amino acids that, you know, um, including some of the ones that are a little harder to get, depending on what you feed them. Um, and they're, you know, they're hyper-efficient in terms of space and water and feed. Right, exactly. It, it, so it, for those it, people who want to have their animal protein, if you want to call it animal protein, even though they're an insect, I guess that's the way to go. Better Kev, than, you know, because yeah. half the cows Kevin, are consumed. And, you got me sitting at the edge of my seat here, okay? Tell me <laughs> what your diet consists of. Do you go near the stuff? Oh, yeah. Please um, tell. But please I'm also tell. like a diverse eater. Um, you know, most of my diet kind of consists of um, like veggies and weird grains and stuff like that anyways. Um, but yeah, I eat a lot of the, I don't eat any uh, like the ultra processed stuff, really. Yeah, um, I like, crickets. you know, so, my favorite way to really do the crickets is uh, stir fried in a wok. Okay. Uh, with a little bit of like chili oil, uh, some lemongrass, some garlic, and some ginger. So you season uh, them and like roast them and fry them and stuff. Yeah. And and what does it taste pan, like? That's Dale Chadwick, our producer, talking yeah, yeah. by the way. And what, what does it oh. taste like? Um, I had someone who once described them as like a marriage of cashews and sweet corn. Okay. And I would I would go with that. So it's got like a nutty taste to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So how's it going on in North America? Are people's behavior changing or becoming less close to insects? Because the whole idea is crazy, you know. So how are people changing their behavior? Well, you know, it's yeah, new. I don't so I mean, it's crazy. It's new. Yeah, it's unconsidered is what I like to think about it as. Um, so, I mean, I've personally fed thousands of people their first insects over the last few years. Um, and I watch... A, See, I've seen peer pressure kind of be the most effective way of getting pe of people changing their own behaviors. Wow. There's always like, you know, a lot of times it'll be like some like huge dude covered in beard who looks like he just rolled off a mountain and everybody else is like skeptical. And he'll kind of wander up to the front of the, the room and he'll try him. Everybody's watching with bated breath and right. crunches on him for a second. And he's like, you know, gives a little head nod and he's like, it's good. Wow. And then everybody rushes to the table. Or like, if your grandma's eating the bugs, she's going to be making fun of you if uh, if you're not doing it. Too far, um, too what's been a lot longer and slower is building up a stable, consistent supply chain so that we can be um, providing product to like the larger food companies. They're all interested. They've al already done you know a variety of studies um, showing that like this that the insect protein works in their product line. Um, now the big issue is like raising supply enough. Because um, even like on a small product line for, for a large food company, 
you may need to be able to provide like 600,000 pounds of insect protein in a year. Um, and that's that's a lot for any farmer to if, if do on their own. If someone so. wants to take the plunge, Kevin, so where do you go? I mean, uh, you go to a supermarket, you go to a specialty store, or you go online. How, how do you go ahead? You go in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, how are they sold? Yeah. Backyard, uh, so, on the consu- on the like direct to consumer side of things, yes, um, you'll see. Yeah, a lot of your like natural food stores uh, will stock one of the brands of cricket protein. Um, there are, you know, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at like specialty websites. Um, what about regulations? The, I'm not so as they're... strong on retail stuff. Um, I'm kind of more the person you call if you need like a pallet. Of protein powder, okay. uh, so I can't quite okay. speak very. I can't speak very knowledgeably to where like well, if you just average consumers who need less than a pallet can buy it. So, so <laughs> do they? So they have some crickets or, or insect. Uh, it becomes a powder at some point. You market it that way. Is it sold that way as well, or do you actually see yeah, the crickets? dry roasted and flavored? is pretty common too. Oh, dry roasted um, and flavored. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we know about the integrity? Say, I want to be uh, pretty gutsy and I want to go out there and, and get some. I, I need to know that it's been certified. That's, that was my question. Is yeah. it regulated in any way? Right. Is there a law that, right. how do you know that it's not full of junk, the cricket? There was yeah. that it was raised properly. Tell yeah. us, Kevin, tell us. Yeah, so um, I mean like all the companies that are selling goods on the market should already be registered with the FDA. We are, uh, FDA has held like a consistent position since uh, the 70s or the 80s that insects are a viable food source. Okay. Um, so insects that are used in human food need to be raised in sanitary conditions. They need to be raised intended for human consumption okay. and they can't be wild harvested. Okay. And then um, additionally, like all insect-based products need to follow the same uh, good manufacturing processes as any other food i know do they have a seal? appropriately do they have and a then seal? the only thing that's weird is um just because some people who have um shellfish allergies may be allergic to the insects uh we do put like a warning up you know or a, a allergen alert right on all of the product does the fda do you or one of their delegates they, you have a seal or a branding of, from them or you know seal of approval not at this point it's a little early um you know so like the cannabis industry brought in six billion dollars in sales before they ever hired their first lobbyist gotcha. um gotcha. we're not there right right what's it called the cbd i am uh, I, yeah uh i sit on the uh i sit on uh on the regulatory board for the North American Coalition of Insect Agriculture. So, um, you know, we take a lot of kind of calls and we help provide clarification with inspectors and other other FDA people um, pretty regularly. Kevin, thank you very much. We're out of time. It's really a very interesting topic. Uh, I will never eat crickets. Why do you say that? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, don't, don't they cover someone with there, chocolate? And I want to repeat, for those people who do yeah. actually eat cows and goats and chickens and all yeah. that, it, this yeah. and you're you're really reducing your carbon footprint. There you go. You really are if you yeah. start eating crickets. 
Uh, and you, you, yeah. what, you know, you don't eat a cow, you eat a bunch of crickets. Yeah, There's exactly. nothing wrong with that. Because like I was saying before, yeah. when you slaughter a cow, all, not even 50% of the cow is eventually consumed, plus the water consumption, the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, less the of crops. a footprint. And he doesn't Absolutely. sound like such a bad guy, this guy, Kevin. Well, he, he puts him in a state a, of dormancy. <laughs> he puts him in a state of dormancy. You know, he kills exactly. him that way. So Better if than you want to t- humanely yeah. killed right. animal kind protein, that's the way to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's, so I'll leave you. With, I'll leave you with one last thought on this, and then give us your uh, web page. So, okay. so if you're not willing to uh, eat the insects yourself, which is totally fine, and you know, it just means that you're not my target demographic. Um, kind of my like poser of a question is, if like, you know, how do you feel about the the animals, the other animals that you eat, uh, eating insects Correct. instead of like fish meal? You know, it seems like to be chickens. a lot more accessible for people to kind of think about it as an animal, a highly efficient animal feed that helps save the ocean, um, even if they don't necessarily want to eat it themselves. Yeah, and also pasture-raised uh, chickens, they go running around eating insects. and then you They love the bugs. Yeah, exactly. If you've ever taken, like, I've t- had a couple of, uh, you know, that rare pleasure where you uh, can take a bunch of live crickets and throw them into a, uh, a chicken barn in the middle of winter when all the hens are super bored and they love it. They just like run around, scramble like crazy, utter chaos and really That's fun. Right. That's you right. mean they go eat them, right? Also, they, oh, right. yeah. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, they, they yeah. do. They love the, the, so the, the happy chickens eat bugs. Kevin, what's your web? Exactly. They have a web page and all that. Better they should Yep, eat. it's Bakubert Consulting because I like to um, be real challenging making people spell my last name right. Um, and then for people who are kind of interested in getting into the farming side of things, right. um, one of my um, partners at the that first farm uh, runs the site Big Cricket Solutions, and they help people get started there. Big Cricket Solutions? Yeah. Okay, got it. Big Cricket Solutions, and hey. if anybody's interested in the agriculture part, uh, thank you very much for your time. Very, uh, very educational, very informative. Fascinating. I'm not saying I'm craving. Excellent. I'm craving them just yet, but I'm getting my mind ready for that. Okay, I don't think yeah, so. Kevin, totally. th- thank you so so much. Have a, a great one. Okay. okay they have a great rest thank of the you, day. You thank you. Too. Thank you too. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Thank you guys uh, for listening. Um, That's I a wrap. We're going to get a lot of uh, comments, good and bad. But hey, you have to. Uh, this is an educational, informative show, and you can, like I said at the beginning of the show, you can form your own opinion. Uh, but for those people who are into animal welfare, um, thinking, start thinking about insects because um, they don't suffer, uh, even though they Nancy, are, Nancy, for me, it, sentient beings, but they do not suffer. For animal rights people, that's a totally different story. Any final words, really, before we go? No, I'd have to not know what I'm eating and have to have chocolate all over it. Yeah, that's right. Ro- well, they do know. have cho- We forgot to ask about ch- They probably have chocolate, chocolate covered crickets. Chocolate We'll have to have them back. Okay, okay thank Kevin. you, everybody, for spending this time with us. See you again next week. And Bye, everybody. Week. Happy New Year. All the best to you. Look forward. Take care. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio.